Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. Can you feel it? Two weeks, 15 days, election day. It is upon us. We've already had tens of millions of people cast their ballots, and we shall have to see how that all shakes out. But it is go time, crunch time, get ready for it. We got a debate this Thursday, assuming it actually happens, assuming that the Biden campaign doesn't just call a continuous lid, as the journos call it, until Election Day. So we'll talk more about that. But but first, it's remarkable. Let's just start with that. It's stunning. When you see what the media has managed just over the last few days, what they have done here. I mean, when you dig into this a little bit, it's so clear. It's exactly as you would have thought. Uh, We went from there is no Hunter Biden story with the help of social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter straight up shutting it down. So there is no Hunter Biden story. To. Come on, who wouldn't sell dad's role in foreign policy to the highest bidder? It's no big deal to then when we saw even more emails. It's Russian disinformation. In less than a week, the intellectual cowardice and ethical corruption of the mainstream media remains absolutely legendary. And with demands to prove the Hunter emails are real, we see many people who are not only changing their reporting standards on a whim, but are happy to sound like idiots if it's helpful to slow the Hunter Biden bad news avalanche. Because, folks, let's be real here. At this point, only a moron actually believes these emails are fake, a moron or a liar. And then, of course, that's somebody who doesn't really believe what they're saying. You can't you can't actually think this is unreal. Well, did the Russians sneak into Hunter's bedroom and take photos of him asleep with a crack pipe out? Did the Russians manage to piece all of this together, send it all from their email addresses? It all looks, it all lines up, the dates, everything. They planted a laptop, and then nobody involved is disavowing this. There's been no public statement of, oh, this isn't true. I can tell you this much. If there were emails out there that were Russian disinformation, that were fake, Guess what? The Biden campaign would say these are outright lies. Just like the Trump campaign said about Russian collusion, that it was an outright lie. They said it from day one, and it was. The media ran with that anyway. They didn't care. With the Hunter Biden situation, they're hoping that the media will do the heavy lifting for Joe Biden in the last weeks here of the campaign, and that he won't have to answer any questions, that he won't be forced to address this. Well, that's going to be kind of hard for them, though. We're at least going to make it as difficult for Biden and the Biden camp, the Democrats, as we possibly can. Because it's so obvious that these emails are real, that this scandal is real, uh, that no one can really stand up against this in debate. And so that's why we get to the disinformation. Now, here's here's what they say. There are a lot of people that became overnight experts on social media is in this in disinformatia or disinformatia. I think it's disinformatia, the Russian word for this, right? Because all of a sudden that was the theory used to justify why Donald Trump won. There was disinformation out there and 
And that was the fake news. You remember that fake news. And it was disinformation being put on Facebook that led to Trump's victory. That was their whole story. Well, one of the concepts that you have to become familiar with here, and this is true about how the KGB used to do things, is they would take some true and some fake and mix them in together. But these are just standard propaganda tactics. You you want to put in three truths and a lie so that it seems credible when you get to the lie. Here's the problem with that approach to what we're seeing with Hunter Biden. This is very obvious if you're going to prove it's a lie. There's no way to hide this. There's no means there's no explanation for this given what we already have given the information that's already there and just to make sure that there's not some top super secret investigation of this going on to prove that it's disinformation the director of national intelligence ratcliffe uh was on tv this morning and he was just saying look there's nothing that we have the intelligence community which the left always relies on is their super secret experts that will leak things that just help Democrats, right? But, oh, it came from the intelligence community. I used to be in the intelligence community. It's 10% smart, good patriots, 90% bureaucrat morons who vote Democrat overwhelmingly. Just can tell you the truth. But here's what DNI Ratcliffe has to say about this disinformation dodge that the Democrats are running. Play six. Some of the people that complain the most about uh, intelligence being politicized are the ones politicizing intelligence. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, it is Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, who, uh, as you pointed out on Friday, said that the intelligence community believes that Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails on it are, are part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. It's simply not true. And this is exactly what I said I would stop when I became the director of national intelligence. And that's people using the intelligence community to leverage some political narrative. And in this case, apparently Chairman Schiff wants anything against his preferred political candidate to be deemed as not real and is using the intelligence community or attempting to use the intelligence community to say there's nothing to see here. Um, Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. And I think it's clear that the American people know that. Now, there's nothing in the intelligence community that the director of national intelligence cannot see, cannot ask for a briefing on. He sits atop it. He answers only to the president. So why is Adam Schiff going out there and saying this? Because Adam Schiff is a practiced and shameless liar. We knew it all throughout the alleged Russia collusion campaign. And now we see it once again with this Russian disinformation. You notice how the libs have returned to their old tricks here. Just as I said, they would Russia, Russia, Russia all over again, a variation of it, but still using this specter of Russia constantly involved in constantly trying to undermine our elections and our our, our electoral processes. This is baseless, but it was baseless the first time. And it gave the Democrats and the Hillary voters something of a of a respite from reality, which is what they were looking for. And then they weaponized it. At first, it was just the explanation for why Hillary lost. Oh, it was the Russians. Fine. It doesn't really count. But then in a matter of days for the general public, I think this was the plan from the left all along. In a matter of days, it turned into, oh, well, now we have to overturn the results of the election because of that Russian disinformation. So the fable that Democrats told themselves so they could sleep at night after Hillary Clinton got crushed by Trump in 2016 
became their reality, right? They, they transformed that perception into something that they could use against the Trump administration. They're trying to do the same thing now. It's laughable. You will not see any intelligent person on television who is also honest. You have to be, those are the only qualifications, honest and intelligent. If you're informed on this issue and you are those two other qualities, you would never, ever allow people to go around saying that this was Russian, Russian disinformation because there's absolutely no evidence for it whatsoever. And it would be nearly impossible for the Russians to pull that off. How would that even work? And think about what the blowback would be. Do you know why I knew all along that Russia collusion was a lie? And some of you who have been with me for for years now listening to the show, gosh, show going on almost eight years at this point. I think it'll be eight years this this uh, spring. But. I looked at what their allegations were, what the Democrats were alleging against President Trump. And I I only needed to know two things. One, this collusion to steal the election thing is is very unlikely to work. It would it's a very low probability success and very high risk. Right. So you're going to work with the Russians effectively in opposition, if not enemy power to the United States. You're going to sell yourself to them to win an election and knowing all along that it's very unlikely they'd even be able to help you win that election. And then you have to just go through four years as president, hoping that the American people don't find out you're a traitor because of this. When, you know, as we saw, you could win without the Russians. So it never made sense. The president of the United States told me in the Oval Office the first time I was in a couple of years ago to talk to him. He said, Russia collusion, it's it's a dumb idea. It doesn't even make sense. And I said, exactly. This is not how you try to you know how you try to steal an election. You know, how you try to cheat in an election if you really wanted to. You'd make sure that there were no impediments to ballot harvesting, uh, ballot harvesting and uh, using mail in ballots in a way that's completely untraceable. And you could just have people who with a wink and a nod. No, they're just going to go out and collect from people when really they're going to ask everybody, oh, I'll fill it out for you. Or, oh, who's ever going to prove this or no? That that would be a smart way in select districts and areas where, you know, it's going to you don't do it across the whole country. You don't do this in Los Angeles. You don't do this in New York City. But if you're going to cheat, where would you do it? Certain counties in Ohio, certain counties in Florida, certain counties in Michigan, etc. That's how you would actually try to steal an election. Working with the Russians to do an oppo dump of DNC emails that the DNC emails didn't even do anything. It just showed that they were, you know, screwing over Bernie. And we all knew that Bernie was getting the rough stuff from the DNC. So who cares? The theory never made sense and it never had any proof, but they ran with it anyway. They're doing the same thing now with Russian disinformation. This could this would blow up in the Trump campaign's face at the worst possible moment. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It's still not clear to me that this is fatal for the campaign of Joe Biden. It's still not clear to me that this is going to end it where he won't, you know, he can't win because of this. Not at all, actually. I don't know how much this moves the needle with independence, but what it does show us beyond a shadow of a doubt is everything that you and I have thought about Joe Biden now, ever since the story first came out was true. And that the Democrats do look the other way when it comes to their own corruption. The Democrats don't care about selling access. Hillary Clinton was a world-class expert at selling political office to the highest bidder. And it also shows us that the media is absolutely craven. 
and that our national journalistic establishment should not be considered something that anybody looks to for information or fairness or honesty now or certainly after this election. The media will never be the, never be the same informed, intelligent, honest Americans see our national news media when it comes to politics and recognize that they are broken beyond repair and it's time for us to build something new. That's where we are as a country. But we still have an election to focus on, so let's do that too. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. And Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son, sir? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. You can kind of hear it there. I know this is one of these audio moments where I just want to play it so we show you the proof of it, but the president, I mean, I'm oh, sorry, the would-be president, Joe Biden here, when asked about what happened with uh, with Hunter in the emails, just just was like, oh, I'm not going to answer it. Oh, I know you'd answer it. Oh, he just ignores this. I mean, it's very straightforward. He should either say the emails are fake or he broke no laws. And we've already talked about this or, you know, there are things that he could say that he really should say. But instead, he just figures the media will cover for him. Right now, he's planning. This is serious. I'm not making a joke. He's planning to not do any uh, any official press until Thursday, until the debate. He's calling a multi-day lid in advance two weeks before Election Day. Sleepy Joe needs a lot of nap time, apparently. So he doesn't like uh, he doesn't like this news cycle and what it's doing to his campaign. But I'm also here to warn you, friends. I'm just here. I just want to make sure our expectations are all in line with the probabilities here. I, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I don't think this story alone is a game changer. Unless, unless this part of the story is true. Did Joe Biden, and this comes up in the emails, did Joe Biden get a piece? Was there a kickback scheme from some of these Hunter Biden. And the Hunter Biden stuff is obvious influence peddling, obvious selling of access to off. And even it's even worse than access. It's foreign policy decision making. Oh, yeah. Biden just happened to fire the prosecutor looking into corruption in Ukraine. How many we should ask Joe Biden, how many other countries corruption prosecutors in his eight years as vice president did he fire? Did he demand get fired holding out a billion dollar a uh, billion dollars of cash from the U.S. taxpayer to that country as his leverage. And anybody want to take it? I'd be willing to bet the answer is zero, zero prosecutors fired other than this one. But it's all a coincidence, you see. Yeah, that's right. They're coincidence theorists, sure enough. But I think what the media is hoping for is not that they can delay the entirety or sorry, they can stop the entirety of the Biden story, the best they can do is delay it, which is what they've already done. Try to take some of the heat, some of the some of the intensity out of it, right? By spreading it out over, oh, uh, we don't know. Maybe it's disinformation. We haven't verified. Oh, social media shut it down. They're doing everything they can to try to suppress. But they know that the the game over scenario is if they find out that Joe Biden was getting money from this, because my friends, that also could be criminal. Depends on the circumstances and what we're able to prove. But 
if you are taking foreign policy actions in a foreign country on the explicit understanding that a member of your family is getting cash from people in that country and you're getting a piece of that cash, that's quid pro quo, straight up criminal corruption. You can't do that, right? That's the equivalent of the gaming commission chief in a state all of a sudden saying that, you know, so-and-so can get a casino license because their buddies gave him cash under the table. It's no different. It's no different that people go to prison. They go to prison for a long time for that. It's taken very seriously. Public corruption cases, not, of course, when they involve Democrats, unless they absolutely have to, but they're taken very seriously. So that could be the the end of the of the Biden hopes for for a win here. And the president's already out there saying it. Play play 18. Did you hear the new one? I was waiting for this. So they find this horrible, horrible laptop of uh, Hunter. Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? But Joe is far more corrupt than Hunter. Because Joe knew every. Joe's getting a piece of everything. They have it in the email, 10% and 50%. But Joe is far more corrupt than Hunter. Joe's more corrupt than Hunter, the president says, getting a piece. Well, that's a big problem. That's where this transfers for me from from my my assessment of this, it goes from, look, it's good that we know how scummy Democrats are and what a bunch of liars the media are, but people are still going to go into the polling booth and overwhelmingly vote on the economy and COVID response and all these other issues, health care. Um, if Joe Biden's taking kickbacks when he's vice president from his from his ne'er do well son involving foreign policy for sale, that's 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 Biden being donezo. As the kids say, that's the end of that. And the media is going to do everything they can to prevent this from becoming the narrative. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. It's looking like Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the next Supreme Court justice, but it's not done yet. You have to look and see what the schedule is, and it's supposed to get or reopened, in a sense, this Thursday. Uh, that's when the Senate can begin consideration. And then there's a whole bunch of Senate procedure stuff that comes into play, and uh, they can uh, try to, if they try to filibuster, there can be a, a motion to cloture and, you know, to end it, and then they have another day, and they got to reconsider. And, and it can basically go from Thursday, assuming the Democrats try to, try whatever procedural blocks they can. And I think that's likely just so they can show how upset they are. It can't really stop the process, but it can delay it and they can give more speeches. And Cory Booker can look like he's going to cry at any moment. I don't know what it is. He always seems like he's about to cry. Uh, so that's what's likely to happen. Thursday opens up Friday. There's some process stuff. They can reopen on Saturday. And then I think Sunday is when it might actually be official and in the books. This this coming Sunday. So right right before Election Day, uh, we may be in a place where you have a new Supreme Court justice Sunday, the 25th. Uh, that's all assuming that things go as planned. Now, so far, they haven't been able to come up with anything on Amy Coney Barrett to stop it. That's obvious. ACB's nomination has been moving along. And I have been surprised that the Democrats honestly haven't made more noise about this. One idea that I have about this, one theory is that they're so set on packing the court that they don't really 
that it doesn't really bother them as much now. They've just said, okay, fine, you you get ACB through. We're going to add two or three more liberal, far left Supreme Court justices. So who even really cares in the meantime? So I, I think that that may be a part of it. But there was this comment that Pelosi made over the weekend about what she may be able to do about this nomination. Play 10. Last time we spoke, you said Democrats had arrows in their quiver to block uh, this nomination. But she seems like she's on a path to confirmation right now. Is this a done deal or is there still something Democrats can do to stop it? Well, we'll see. I'm not in the Senate. I don't do I don't. What I'm talking about is how we win this election, because we have to offset whatever a court, whatever the outcome of this, whatever this court may do. And the court, the House, the Congress of the United States can overturn these bad decisions. For example, the court just did one on the census. The census is a disagreement we have in this bill. This is very important who we are as a nation. And yet the court just agreed with the president to stop the census. So again, we'll, because we want to have an agreement, we can come to negotiation. And we can do it now. What's the difference? A few days, except that we could have it before the election, which we wanted as soon as possible. Sounds to me like Nancy doesn't want to tell the left wing base there. Sorry, we're out of we're out of options here. And there's also a part of me that refuses to believe that Democrats are going to go quietly on this one. And I I know maybe I'm just I have post Kavanaugh trauma syndrome or something maybe i just can't come to accept that they're going to allow this process to play out um it it does go to show you that when, when the democrats don't have a white male republican to attack so much of their usual machinery of destruction is neutralized something to keep in mind going forward for any kind of cabinet positions or supreme court justices anybody that needs senate confirmation they're not they're not as good i mean if it's a guy who's Republican, Christian, and uh, conservative, then we know what they'll come at him with. You know, they'll find someone to lie about a sexual you know, impropriety from 30 years ago or find 10 people to lie about it, whatever it may be. With a woman, though, doesn't seem like they have quite the same playbook to run. So Nancy's sounding here like they don't have anything left. And I just, folks, I think some of you know, you're probably already at the place where you think, Buck, it's fine. She's going to get through. And what a big win for the Trump administration right before the election. Gosh, I hope all those evangelicals and all those, you know, cultural uh, conservative Christians who, if they ever had any doubts about Trump, they see what's going on here with the courts alone and feel like that was the bargain in 2016 for a lot of them. And Trump on judges has come through on that bargain. And then some three, three conservative constitutionalists on the high court, never mind the roughly 25 30 percent now i think of federal judges that are trump appointees or some number it's a huge number i don't know what it is off the top of my head but it's big bigly and uh, i think that acb is going to be a, i think she's going to be the best of of gorsuch and kavanaugh i think acb will be uh, the strongest with adhering to the constitution although you never know until they get in there you know bush gave us roberts and what a disappointment that has been for anybody who believes that the law is what the law says. Uh, so we'll see about that. And then there's since we're talking about Pelosi, she just said yesterday uh, during the some of the Sunday interviews, uh, she said this on ABC that that the there's a 48 hour 
deadline here to get a coronavirus package, relief package done by Election Day, which, as I said, is 15 days away. So she's saying that she's hopeful that they'll get something done. She's claiming that this is something that, you know, may still happen. So Pelosi and Mnuchin have been negotiating for months trying to get a coronavirus package done. They passed a three trillion dollars is the, the democrats in the house passed a three trillion dollar package back in may that the senate did not uh did not take up the white house has offered 1.8 trillion think about all that money all that um all the stuff that that would be helpful for all the people that would start getting those i mean six hundred dollars a week that's a lifeline for people right now economically folks who have lost their jobs because of government policy folks who don't have their business operating are open because of government policy. But Pelosi won't give this win to Trump unless it will be considered a Pelosi win. First and foremost, the people who are suffering in the meantime mean nothing to her. Now, Mitch McConnell is also going to call a vote this week on a five hundred billion dollar bill that I believe is is, is mostly or entirely uh, about paycheck protection. PPP. Uh, but Pelosi wants to play games. It's just a reminder that while Democrats tell you and one of their what are their central themes, central messages is how much they care about working class people, those who are are just trying to make ends meet. And when working class people in a moment like this are really suffering, Pelosi wants to play high level political games. And, and there's a lot of ego involved in it, too. You may have seen recently that Trump and Pelosi don't really they don't really mix so well. They don't really like each other. I mean, it is it is personal for them. I mean, Trump goes after Nancy pretty hard and she goes after Trump viciously. She doesn't care at all. Why is there not a deal? Because Democrats want to spend too much money and they want to spend too much money on things that don't have to do with COVID. They want bailouts for cities that have been Democrat run for a long time. And uh, she's just not willing or rather Trump's just not willing to go forward with that. Neither the Republicans. And this is where I'd also remind everyone that I know it's not really in vogue to talk about this right now. I know this doesn't really get a lot of claps, a lot of cheers because it's depressing. But we're going to spend the federal government is going to spend six trillion dollars this year alone. Six trillion dollars. We have doubled our our national uh, national government spending and. Uh, the bill for this, man, you may not feel it right now, but it's real. And it's certainly going to be on your your children or your grandchildren. But there's going to be some I think there's going to be some stormy seas ahead for the economy as a result of this. I know it's emergency measures, but we're going to be at 30 trillion dollars of debt here very soon. And the the real moment of change for everybody is when we can't sell our debt on the global market the same way. Our treasuries, U.S. treasuries are not as desirable or reliable because other countries and and the global markets don't believe that they're really going to pay back these obligations. Uh, And all of a sudden we lose our not all of a sudden it would be slowly. Then suddenly we will lose our reserve currency status. Uh, Then all of a sudden the fight we have going on with China feels uh, very imminent, doesn't it? Then things change quite a bit. And we are in a struggle to keep our number one position of global dominance and a struggle that we may not win because we've spent ourselves into oblivion. But I know we got an election to win, so people don't really want to hear about that right now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. 
for more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. So I ask you sincerely, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, please keep me in your prayers. Pray I have the capacity to step up and do this job because four more years of Donald Trump will fundamentally change the nature of this country for several generations. Pray for me, please. Yeah, all of a sudden, Joe Biden's real breathy and real spiritual, prayerful. All of a sudden, he's, he's a real man of God, you know. He used to be a man of the radical left and doing whatever they say and just making sure he gets those big donations from the credit card companies. But now, now he's practically a friar. He's, a, he's like a, a monk on a mission to spread the faith. How much more insulting uh, can they get? Insulting of our intelligence. Joe Biden here is telling you that four more years of Trump will fundamentally transform this country, which is fascinating because we've had four years of Trump. Does it feel like there's been some enormous tectonic shift in what is America? Well, I mean, yeah, we had a booming economy for three years and no new wars started and a government that acts with common sense instead of uh, acts with this mentality that the government can fix all problems, which all history and common sense tells you is absurd. Uh, So, yeah, when we look at this issue, when we look at it, we see that he's making claims here that are just absurd. Why couldn't we handle four more years of Trump? We've already had four years of Trump. It's fine. It's gone well. Much better than what you have under Biden. That's really what I hope people start to focus on. What does it look like? Analysis published over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal, it says the average family under a Biden administration would the average family. So so average household income close. It's in the high 40s, I think uh, it's close to 50 grand. It might be a little over, it might be a little below, but average household income uh, right now is has been very high. Put up, put aside covid, which is an anomaly. And it's fair to say this. This is an anomaly. But sixty five hundred dollars less in your pocket for your household under a Biden plan when you add up all the taxes and regulations and everything else that they want to do. So in in what way is this going to benefit you? How does your life get better under a Biden presidency? Uh, I think the answer is they don't have an answer. They just say a lot of things. But all the steps that he's saying, I'm going to listen to the scientists. Trump's been listening to scientists all along. Too much, in my opinion. But I understand the way the politics of this work. If you don't listen to the scientists, if you actually didn't listen to them, then you're, I don't know, even more of a mass murderer. They already say Trump is responsible for all the deaths that completely lost their minds. But you're hearing a lot of things right now about this administration and about Trump that do not make sense. And it's, it's meant to be a, something of a sensory assault. You hear enough lies from enough places and the media amplifies it enough. You start they want you to question. They want you to question what it is that you know to be true to unsettle you. And may not work on you. A lot of you're laughing. You're like, yeah, Buck, that's never going to happen. I know, but they want to do this to enough people in the country that they might either force some people to stay home or other folks will change their mind on the way into on the way into cast their ballot. You know, they see this and they say, you know, yeah, I guess maybe four more years of Trump is is too much. You know, you get people like this pride stelter over at CNN. He's really sick of all this stuff. Is America getting Trump fatigue? Play four. Here's the question now, though. Is all the attention, all the airtime for Trump, is it working for him this time around? 
Or is it now working against him? I'm sure you heard about the ratings for the recent dueling town halls. Trump's uh, town hall aired on three channels, and yet he still was outperformed by Biden, who was on just one channel alone. Now, is that the ultimate sign of Trump fatigue? If so, what does it mean? And how does the press need to make sure that we are providing balanced, fair coverage of both these candidates when there are so many natural differences in the newsworthiness of them? Natural differences. I can't even my voice can't even go high enough here for for Stelter, but natural differences in the newsworthiness of both of them. Uh, yeah, one's the president. The other's a wannabe. How about that for a how about that for a news difference right up front? Uh, yes, Trump fatigue, Every, everything that they can now. Oh, Trump is going to start World War Three. Trump doesn't care if people die from covid. Trump is a white nationalist. Trump is a white supremacist. Trump is I mean, they're just. They're just trying to drown you in all this stuff that flood the airwaves with it. There's no effort at, at balance. There's no attempt to be unbiased. This is why they're crazy. And it's so obvious they have to keep telling you how unbiased they are. It's so clear that they're rooting and actively working for a Biden win that they feel the need to lie to your face constantly about how they're just journos, man, just doing the job, just trying to speak truth to power. It's unreal. Is America experiencing Trump fatigue? No, I think we're experiencing some degree of uh, political news fatigue just because we have to wade through so much crap, so many lies, so much dishonesty from really insecure, intellectually weak people. That's what we keep seeing all across the mainstream news. And it's just it's maddening because I'd like to live in a country where people can, one, express their ideas freely with, you know, not having Twitter and Facebook suppress their ideas because it's bad for one candidate. And then turn around and look all of us in the eyes and say, hey, uh, we didn't mean to do that, man. Yeah, we didn't mean to suppress you guys. Just sort of terms of service and algorithms and oh man, it's complicated, man. No, it's not complicated. These places are overrun with libs and they want Biden to win and they can't emotionally handle the prospect of a Biden loss. So they're all going to do whatever they can. They've already done an enormous favor. You see, it's the damage has already been done here to Trump, to, to the truth by suppressing the initial Biden story for 48 hours. Now I know you'd say, but Buck, the media's caught all this backlash. Guess what? They don't care. They don't care. What? Oh, everyone's going to stop using Facebook. This is the part of it that nobody tells you, but I'll tell you the social media giants are basically giant ATM machines that have monopolies on their areas and they're not nothing's going to change with them because of this yeah they'll make some terms of service or whatever and they'll throw some cute cat or you know puppy gifts into your stream and all of a sudden you know the the the, the human gerbils all go back on the wheel of social media and nothing ever changes they're not worried about this just remember that we got a long way to go here. Oh, the, I know there's going to be hearings on Capitol Hill. We're going to hear some great speeches from some very smart Republican senators. Nothing is going to happen. Not right now. Not given that we have an election that this that still needs to be won, that we have a divided Congress. And if we get a Biden administration, oh, do you really think a Biden administration is going to say, let's break up the tech monopolies that probably saved the election for us? I think not. Again, this is where you come for the truth. There are other places where they, they take out the, uh, you know, the cheerleader uniforms and whatever they think is going to just sell the most on that day. That's what they go with. I'm here to tell you what's really happening. 
So don't think the social media companies are all, oh, no, what do we do now? What do they do now? Count their money all day. They're fine. Uh, and, and they've already done a lot. They've done a, a big service, I think, for the Biden campaign because that stall allowed the machinery of propaganda, all the counter narrative to get going. And now it's, oh, but, you know, the, the New York Times even did some some jackass story over the weekend about how there was one person at the New York Post who didn't really want to sign on to the Hunter Biden story. First of all, what? And second of all, well, that person's an idiot. Because everything that we see here completely lines up. You know, at some point, you can turn this all into just silliness. You know, do you do we even know? I mean, how do you know who really won the presidential election? You weren't counting all the votes. At some point for society to function, you got to take someone's word for it. I'm not saying, you know, blindly believe those in authority. Quite the opposite. I think most of what I do here on the show that's of value other than just bringing information is telling you who's full of it and who's not. But there has to be somebody who's not, you know, at some point we have to start to agree that things are what they are. And the only way around the Hunter Biden email scandal is to reject that premise, is to suggest, is to insist that you can just create the reality you need in the moment. doesn't matter that there's think about this. They've got the emails and they also have photos of Hunter Biden that are intimate. I mean, I haven't seen it. Apparently there's like sex tape kind of stuff on there, too. Uh, so did the Russians run some kind of, you know, honey trap for Hunter Biden? I mean, you know, you could come up with crazy theories all day long, but nope. No serious person would believe this. And yet our media goes along with it. So just get ready for more of these theories, more of these lies about Trump. He's going to destroy the country if he gets four more years. That was one thing when he had just well, when he was facing the first election. We had no idea how he'd govern been a steady hand, done a good job. I'm not talking about his comments. I'm talking about his governance. He was a better president than I even thought he would be. And now they're going to tell you that with four more years, he's going to ruin the country. No, instead, let's put on uh, put on three time loser that Democrats. And it wasn't like he was close. Three time presidential loser in the past, Joe Biden. Yeah, let's give him a shot this time. Why? No one really seems no one really seems clear on that other than Democrats need to pretend that it's not absurd. Um, speaking of absurd, you still have John Bolton. I can't believe the, the president and his team brought in this guy to be their national security advisor. It's remarkable. And I mean, he's a guy who really does think we should just, you know, fight wars with countries that we really don't really don't have to. Uh, and, and he's out there spreading this kind of nonsense too. another lie about the president that he's not going to go if he uh, if he loses or or, or there's going to be some effort to stay in power play 15 do you have concerns about general milley or secretary esper or uh, chief of staff meadows i mean is there anyone there to say sir you lost you have to leave well i think the defense department is in good hands with esper and milley i have no concerns there as long as they're still in office uh, but let's let's be let's be clear trump will not leave graciously if he loses he will not leave graciously whether he carries it uh, to the extreme i don't think we know i think it's very troubling that he has said i can't lose unless there's fraud of course he can lose in an honest election and i think this is really on the leadership of the republican party elected officials private citizens citizens, uh, that if if it's clear what the outcome is, it's up to Republicans, not Democrats, to say this is on us. He's got to go. So scummy. He won't leave graciously slash maybe he'll refuse to leave. 
Re- really putting that out there for the for the uh, viewers and and the amusement of Jake Tapper. When you're doing the little dance on TV for Tapper as a former Republican National Security Advisor, whatever you thought you were, whatever you thought you stood for, it's it's all just been sold out. You're just a fraud. Bolton's become an outright fraud. I just can't imagine something more demeaning than dancing on TV for for fake tappers amusement. It's gross. But people are getting really desperate right now at this stage of the election, friends. Get ready for more of it. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Twitter removes tweet from Trump coronavirus advisor that undermined the importance of masks. Uh... That's right. Dr. Scott Atlas, who's on the president's coronavirus task force. He retweeted something which I immediately read, uh, but uh, he tweeted a, a link to an article and his comment on it was masks work. No. And then CNN here has followed by a series of misrepresentations about the science behind the effectiveness of masks in combating the pandemic. Uh, friends, there is absolutely not a single solid peer reviewed a controlled study that shows a high level of efficacy in combating the pandemic through mask mandates. Remember, the issue here is of the mandate. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask all day, sleep with it on. I don't care. But as a government policy to make sure people have to do this because they're so sure that this is going to do all these great things. Well, it's increasingly clear that that's not true. It's not true. How true is it? I don't know. How effective are they? Hmm. But uh, Dr. Scott Atlas of Stanford University certainly thinks that there's an issue here. And he thinks it's worth addressing, thinks it's something that we should at least be willing to talk about. Shouldn't there be some openness in all of this? Shouldn't there be some honesty? No, of course not. You're not allowed to do any of that. In fact, we're all supposed to think that St. Fauci has all the answers here, that St. Fauci is the guy who will get things done. And just remember, uh, he's a Democrat, folks, and he wants Joe Biden to win. And we all know that he's a CNN watcher and he loves Chris Cuomo. I mean, the the evidence is very high that we know exactly who this guy is. A government bureaucrat who has seized the limelight, has been wrong all along and thinks his job is to say, you know, I'm sorry about all the, you know, all the misinformation out there, but the mitigation efforts we're going to do, are going to be amazing. It's going to save us all. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, not so much. He even referred to a super spreader event talking about the Rose Garden ceremony for ACB play eight. Were you surprised that President Trump got sick? Absolutely not. I was worried that he was going to get sick when I saw him in a completely precarious situation of crowded, no separation between people and almost nobody wearing a mask. When I saw that on TV, I said, oh, my goodness, nothing good can come out of that. That's got to be a problem. And then sure enough, it turned out to be a super spreader event. A super spreader event. There you go. There's Fauci calling it a super spreader event. Has Fauci ever called any of the uh, BLM protests a super spreader event? I just want to know why. Because the left wing woke politics is a protection from the virus, as we know from our own media. 
And if you're left wing, if you're if you're a Biden voting Democrat who's out there protesting injustice, yeah, you aren't at the same risk and certainly aren't putting other people at risk. Remember, that's how they really that's how they really turn the screws on you to get you to comply with all these policies. It's not about you. Yeah. Maybe you think you should be able to determine your own risk profile. It's about all the other people you're putting other lives at risk. I mean, how do you get around that? How do you deal with that? No, you're just supposed to obey. And that's what we know the game is here. You are you are supposed to obey. You are not allowed to question. You're not allowed to uh, wonder why it is they've been wrong so many times on this one. Fauci in particular. And while people are out there, uh, you know, talking about how Trump would have saved so many lives and been so much better if he'd only listened listen to the scientists. Uh, just remember that now they're trying to claim that Trump is the reason for the lockdowns, too. Here's uh, Governor Pritzker of Illinois. Play five. Uh, frankly, the president has made it nearly impossible for states to open up any more than they are now. Uh, we have, you know, the, this pandemic has been around now for seven to eight months. And without much help from the federal government, we've been fighting it off. Illinois has uh, one of the lowest positivity rates among the Midwest. But we're bordered by Wisconsin, where he was speaking, uh, which has a 27 percent positivity rate. Ours is about a fourth of that. Uh, we're bordered by Iowa, we're bordered by Indiana. Uh, all three of those are in the top seven or eight states for positivity rates. So it is dangerous right now. We want people to wear masks. We want people to socially distance. Uh, we need to make sure that we have certain mitigations in place. And of course, we've already opened up much of our economy, but we have to maintain certain capacity limits and make sure that our people are safe and healthy. Illinois has been one of the worst hit places by COVID, but really the problem are the, the states around it. That's what you're supposed to believe. Uh, so that the problem is, is that the lockdowns are also so they demand the lockdowns and say that Trump won't do the lockdowns to keep us safe. But then they will also turn around and say the lockdowns are Trump's fault somehow. All the bad things are Trump's fault. And since we're in that part of the world, we're in Illinois, might as well talk about Governor Whitmer, who's still going around. She she really got used to being in the spotlight for a few uh, for a few weeks there over her unconstitutional by the state of Michigan lockdowns. And now because of this, this plot against her life, which we're finding out more was pushed largely by some FBI informant and that these guys are a bunch of psycho losers. It's not a surprise, uh, but this plot against her, we, we have to keep hearing about it because it's not just that this was a bunch of bad people that should be punished. No, no, no. That would be too straightforward. Somehow it's all, you know, the answer. It is all in fact, Trump's fault. Play 11. You know, it's it's incredibly disturbing that the president of the United States, 10 days after a plot to kidnap, put me on trial and execute me, 10 days after that was uncovered, the president is at it again and inspiring and in, incentivizing and um, inciting this kind of domestic terrorism. It is wrong. 
It's got to end. It is dangerous, not just for me and my family, but for public servants everywhere who are doing their jobs and trying to protect their fellow Americans. People of goodwill on both sides of the aisle need to step up and call this out and bring the heat Mm -hmm. down. This is the United States of America. We do not tolerate actions like he is giving comfort to, and that's why we all have to be in this together. This is somebody who is a representative of the political party that terrorized dozens of American cities all summer with riots and looting on a whim. That's right, a Democrat. But now the issue, look at how quickly they turn this around, the issue of political violence just in time for the election is a Republican issue. Just in time for people to cast their ballots, there are all these stories out there and all these Democrat politicians who are saying, why can't we all just be more respectful of each other and and we need to condemn violence and not give aid and comfort to extremists. Their party was effectively run by, dictated to, uh, when it comes to extremists for months. Oh, where, where are all the great changes from the BLM movement? You know, you notice you don't hear much about it anymore. What did BLM do exactly? Just Democrat-based mobilization. Didn't achieve anything. Didn't make anything better for anyone. There was nothing about BLM that you would point to now and say, oh yeah, I'm so glad they accomplished that. Now everybody is safer and better off, or anyone is safer and better off. Remember my analysis from a few months ago? Black Lives Matter movement would make everything worse for everyone, and it did. Nothing was improved. Nothing got better. Oh, whatever happened to defund police? They were so sure that that was something we had to hear about. They were so sure that that was a a righteous cause. Why aren't they? We're going into an election. Shouldn't the American people know about defunding cops? It's not just Biden. Shouldn't all these Democrat uh, Democrats running for for the House or for the Senate, shouldn't they be out there telling everybody about how much they support the I, the righteous idea of defunding police? Hmm. Wait a second. Do you mean to tell me that the Democrats are changing what they stand for in the height of an election cycle or pretending that they've changed what they stand for just because they want to get votes and they know that if people really understood what the Democrats believe, really believe the leadership of the Democrat Party, the DNC wants they would not want to vote for these lunatics. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. That's exactly what we are seeing play out. And I've just got to say, I'm I'm troubled that this is able to happen at a time when the media is supposed to be supposed to be focused on just bringing us the truth. Right. It's an election, our democracy, all that, you know, that's all crap. That's all nonsense. So, yeah, all of a sudden, defunding cops, BLM, don't hear about that. And the political violence that was running rampant on the left for months, businesses looted, burned down, destroyed, cops murdered, murdered by Biden supporters who were BLM connected. Does anyone hear about that anymore? Where are all those news stories? Whatever happened to that? Did any of the Democrats condemn it? Trump is always being asked to condemn white supremacy, and he does over and over. Why isn't Gretchen Whitmer, Biden, the whole group, all those Democrats, why aren't they being asked, do you disavow Antifa? Do you disavow BLM? Well, I think we all know the answer is that, no, they, they won't do those things. That's why they aren't asked. The same reason that they don't keep pressing Biden 
on court packing. He has been asked it, but he should be asked it every time he shows up anywhere because he just won't answer the question. They don't want to ask about Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And with Black Lives Matter, he would just talk about he'd slip into the talking points about how the movement is righteous, even if some people sometimes step out of line, but they don't represent the movement, right? Some crap like that. No surprise.